So the question now is, Brandon, do I Yo. what do I use for an opening? Do I use the Pujira opening? Um I'd say no, just make it an extension of, of Dragon Ball Super Dope, a Pujira edition. Nah. Welcome in to Dragon Ball Super Dope. I, I don't know. The idea was to call this Pojira when yeah. we thought about doing this as a monthly monthly Godzilla series. So that's the intro music that you just heard, uh, composed by yours truly. Definitely not a ripoff of the original 54 theme done by a cheap synthesizer. Definitely not that. Definitely not me yelling Pojira by myself, uh, <laughs> stacked and delayed over several tracks in a very semi-racist fashion. <laughs> Definitely not me. Nope. Um So anyway, Pojira Super Dope? That's it. That's what it is. So uh, we are recording here today on, uh, this is the second, we're doing double duty today. Yeah. If you listen to the Dragon Ball Super Manga 58 chapter, thank you for that. Thank you for tuning into this one. Uh, it's Friday, April the 3rd, tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean in about two hours and 13 minutes. Holy cow. Brandon's birthday. Woo! So 33, is that it? Yep. The year of our Lord and Savior? Uh, sure. Because, like, that's when he died and stuff? Uh, who? Jesus. He died in 1987? What? 33, man. 30, you're going to be 33. Jesus was yes. crucified when he was 33. Oh. Yee, that's a bad omen. Uh, sorry to uh, impart some depressing religious news on you, but yeah, Jesus Whoa. was <laughs> news. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Jesus was 33 when he got crucified. Uh, but anyway, it's all a really long way to say. Uh, we are doing a Godzilla movie today, obviously, in case the Pojira music didn't indicate that. And uh, I think the title of this one's going to be Godzilla Raids Again, Again. Again. Because Brandon, me... And Shannon did this movie. I, I want to say it was. I want to say it was almost two full years ago. About that, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been a minute, and this was the second movie of the Godzilla ones that we've done. Uh, we released those Godzilla movies in celebration of Godzilla King of the Monsters coming out in May of 2019. So yep. if you want to hear me and Brandon talk about these other Godzillas that we have uh, watched, reviewed, discussed, whatever, um, make sure you scroll back in our super dope feed to around May of 2019. We did Godzilla 54. Uh, we recorded Godzilla Reads again, but we had a huge sound issue and lost that episode the pretty much entirely. Case. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's the super dope Lost Tapes. We also did uh, Godzilla versus Mothra from 63, and we did Godzilla versus King Kong from 62. Two, um, yeah. And that we released all of the... And like we released the recordings like a full year after we recorded them. So some time yeah. passed, and we, we released all of those in succession leading up to uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters last year. Um, so... I thought that it made sense. We we did talk about doing Godzilla 84, and I think it makes sense for us to do that at a certain point. But oh yeah, um, I figured why not take the opportunity to revisit um, what Brandon says is one of his favorite Godzilla movies. It is until Shannon and I ruined it for him two years ago with it was ribbing it so sorely. It hurt. So give me the breakdown, Brandon. Uh, 1954 Godzilla comes out. It's a huge hit. It's a big allegory, obviously, for the uh, nuclear proliferation and the issues Japan faced following World War II. We know there all of that. Go. We discussed it in depth. Um, yep. Godzilla That's reads November again. of 54. Uh, within weeks of the success of Godzilla coming out, um, Toho producers were uh, very, very adamant that a sequel or another Godzilla movie to be released as soon as possible. Got to ride the hype train. Um, so um, Tomoyuki Tanaka, the producer, um, 
cobbles together a new storyline and and gets everything ready. And by April, I think twenty second of fifty five, uh, Gyakushu Gojira no Gyakushu or Godzilla's counterattack is released to Japanese theaters. April so twenty second of fifty five is what you said. Yeah. So, so this not movie, even what not even a full seven months after the first yeah, Godzilla comes out. That's remarkable. This movie, I think, begins production less than five months after the original. And five months or five weeks? Five months. But it comes out in less than seven months? Yeah, they make it really quick wow. and like get it out to theaters really quick. So, you know, there is a lot of I wouldn't say controversy, but there's a lot of kind of dismission of Godzilla's counterattack. Yeah, I um, think it's interesting that you say that because um when I watched it with you for the first time two years ago. Yeah. I uh, enjoyed it, but I I definitely saw how it kind of could easily take a backseat to Godzilla 54. Oh, um, absolutely. But in my research for this podcast today, I've discovered that this movie is kind of like the redheaded stepchild for a lot of people in the Godzilla fandom for whatever. It like, is. Yeah. Not very often talked about. And when it is, it's not talked about very positively. There's there's kind of a, a, a more minority of people who enjoy it as opposed to not, you know. Um, Why do you think that is? I think because it's very quickly put together. Um, you know, we were discussing beforehand the idea or concept of an allegory as important and as as kind of meaningful as the original. Um, and to most people, there isn't one. I, I certainly don't really consider, in comparison to other future movies, any allegory of this one. It's just kind of a, okay, this was so successful, let's repeat it. You know, if you think of like something like, you know, Empire Strikes Back after Star Wars, it's not made for almost two years, and it doesn't come out almost until three years after the first comes out. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, less than 12 months, like almost unheard of for a series, you know, at that point. Godzilla didn't have time to really breathe. They just had to hit again and kind of repeat the same thing. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, even just the downright concept of you kill off a creature, how do you bring him back? Yeah. So in terms you know? of the allegory, I mean, um, in like my almost, I don't know if I was searching for it on purpose or not maybe i was but yeah in watching this one the allegory i took away was i mean this movie is important for the sole fact that it's our first kaiju fight it's godzilla versus angiris and that's like the first time we get to see two giant monsters kick the fuck out of each other and that's literally the only thing i came for (laughs) yeah one's bad enough now there's two of them yes so that whole idea had me thinking like it's the mid to late fifties. Um, maybe like what they're trying to hint at is we see these two big Titans, like otherworldly in size, uh, yeah. duke it out. And we're just kind of have to bear witness and hope things don't go poorly for us. And I took yeah. that as like, maybe that's an allegory for the cold war, uh, the USA and Russia kicking the shit out of each other in poor little Japan. Just like, I hope things don't get bad. Let's try to lure and, them away with blacking things out and shooting up flares from our battle planes and shit. Battle yeah. planes. You hear that battle planes. And I mean, certainly they'll hit on that more directly in 61 with the last war, which, you know, isn't connected to the Godzilla series per se, but, Later on, a lot of stock footage is is taken from it, so it kind of is looped in. But you know, it's it certainly has a few moments, um, you know, story wise. Like, you know, this is the first, also I think, in a trend of utilizing everyday people as your main character. So, although you have a sailor and his love interest. Really, some of the most important main characters in the first are Dr. Sarazawa and Dr. Yamani, who makes an appearance in the sequel. Yeah, he's like the you only know? thing that really ties the continuity between the two movies is Dr. Yamani is there to not only be like, yeah, this is a Godzilla-like creature, but let me show you three to four minutes of the previous film from six months yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, this is kind of something that's prototypical in a lot of American B-movie flicks, you know, where the scientist kind of saves the day with, 
his, you know, big idea. Or his his reasoning or and his dialogue and his very yeah, yeah, cost-efficient yeah. way to solve problems. Whereas this particular scenario, you know, the main character is a former fighter pilot who now utilizes his flight skills as a hunter for tuna. And that's another Ooh, thing tuna. that I think ties together the first movie and the second movie very um, nicely is that I feel like this dude only has a job because Sarazawa just went into the ocean last year with the oxygen yeah. destroyer to destroy Godzilla. And now there is an, I don't know if this is a thing that's a common in fisher fishing. I, I don't know the fishing industry, but yeah, he now flies a plane to be able to like look over parts of the ocean and be like, Hey, what's up? Fishing charter. Go over there yeah. to catch a fish. Like, and I mean, you know, it's hard to tell his age, but you can also based on, you know, with his old flight buddies, he might've been a fighter pilot in the war. Oh, his, his old fighter buddy Kobayashi. No, no, no. The the guys later in the movie oh, from his the old guys fighter that eventually squadron. that they that they hook up with to go fucking bury Godzilla. Yeah, spoiler yeah. Alert, they bury. They're Godzilla now in the <laughs> Japanese some... self defense forces. Got it. Yeah, you know. So there there's a small connection in the war with that, but it it helps lead in the next handful of movies. Um, certainly, that scientists will play a role in it, but more of a, a support role as opposed to a main character. Sarah Zara. You know? We're not, we're not going to see Sarah Zawa descend into the ocean with the oxygen destroyer and sacrifice himself and be the fucking murder anymore. Yeah. You're going to have, you know, um, bodyguards or detectives or, um, you know, uh, what the, the, in King Kong versus Godzilla, the pharmaceutical guys, like they're not going to be, you know, these scientists that have revolutionary plans based on science, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, what about Mothra? Or, or you know, they're going to come up with novel ideas based on their thinking. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that kind of piqued my interest in wanting to do this movie again, again, yeah. not necessarily something we talked about previous, but me doing the research now is the American localization of it. Like, yeah, they import Godzilla 54, dub it Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's a, in 56 and it's a big hit. So they bring over Godzilla raids again and 59, I believe. Yep. And the the venture capitalist fund and the producer, quote unquote, who bring it over. The idea is not to cut in like American footage and like kind of yeah. make it like an Americanized version and kind of cut things around the destruction stuff, but to actually redub everything and, and hopefully not have to shoot anything additionally in terms of yeah the they they leave it complete whereas before that a prior american company bought the rights to it to do exactly just that to chop it up and film their own new scenes that these weren't going to be monsters they're just going to literally be a t-rex versus an ankylosaurus and the vehicle was they're going to land in san francisco but to to utilize some of the Japanese footage, they're going to fight in Chinatown. So you have the orientalization of well, Chinatown looks like a Japanese town. They're no, all I get Asian, it. you know. They're not going to know. But that company ultimately falls through, and Warner Brothers eventually swoops in and they buy the rights to Godzilla raids again or Godzilla's counterattack. And just redub it as a whole new monster because surely Americans know that Godzilla died. So how could there be a second one? You know, and that's one thing that I think kind of maybe I don't know if it contributes at all to the fandom as a whole kind of rejecting this movie because it feels like in the canon of Godzilla, this one's kind of off forgot about. People just kind of assume that it's always just been one monster. But if you want to connect all of this, this is the Showa era movies. Yeah. If you want to connect all the Showa era movies, technically this is the Godzilla that you see for the duration of the rest of these films. Correct. And the first big G died off in 54 with the oxygen destroyer. I think that Correct. lends itself to the reason or at least a partial contribution as to why people kind of reject it. It's like, Oh, there's another one just living yeah. out on this weird ass Island, and just fighting. In an the Japanese by version, they clearly discussed that it's a second one that, you know. And it totally makes sense in the way that they justify it in all seriousness. Yeah. The way they do it in Japan, it makes sense. I, I wish that the American audiences or the American producers rather gave the American audiences the credit to be able to be like, 
all right, yeah, if there's one, it makes sense that there's maybe the there's another. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. No, they but instead, off completely. They yeah. say, fuck it. This is obviously not Godzilla, which was a huge hit just, you know, two and a half, three years ago. This is yeah. gigantus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they reverse the monster's roars. Um, and and they really just kind of make it so that this is a whole nother you're to believe that this is a whole nother monster. Like Godzilla never happened. Yeah. And they like cut out the uh I think they cut out the atomic breath part of Godzilla and the way the American cut was instead of him like blowing uh his atomic breath like and, and hitting fighter jets out of the sky, it's just like additional cuts of him waving his hand and swatting them down and things like that. Like turning him into like a true like dinosaur or whatever. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. Yeah. I watched um at a certain point in the movie, because again, spoiler alert, this movie ends with Godzilla getting buried in basically like a, a mountainous glacier or whatever. He kills yep. Angiris halfway through the movie with a very brutal neck chomp, and I get very depressed. Um, oh, absolutely. But when it happened, um, I have my, my PS2 hooked up to the computer now, uh, getting ready to hopefully launch a Twitch channel shortly, uh, twitch.tv slash super dope podcasts go subscribe or or whatever the fuck you do there i don't know how twitch works yet can't really get the sound to work consistently which has been my biggest hang up to this point so that's your twitch update for you the listener but um twitch in i that's all a long way to say on my ps2 um when angiris died and as i was watching it uh, earlier today taking notes for our conversation tonight i was like fuck it switch it over to uh, Gigantus, yeah. what is it, the Fire Breather or whatever? Gigantus the Fire Monster, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, fuck it, switch it over to English to Gigantus the Fire Monster. And at that point, I was like, wow, this is a, a much, much different movie. And I watched the last, whatever, like 25 minutes in English. Yeah. And I was like, oh, let me see. Because basically, the, the thing that prompted me to do it was, there's a lot of familiar voices in the English dub. Yeah. George Takei uh, of Star yep. Trek fame and I guess, you know, family guy and just general pop culture fame uh, is, is one of the main dub voices in Gigantus yeah. the Fire Monster. I think he does Tsukioka. Uh, yeah, I believe so as well. Um, and that's the thing, too. Like, this movie was so ill-received that in, like, I, I don't know, the credits of it just aren't kept track of very well. Yeah, but he's somebody who's been like, yeah, no, I was one of the main dudes in that. The other people, uh, Paul Fries, he's the man of a thousand voices. Uh, Mel Blanc, contemporary. Um, he was Boris Badenov on Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's like the voice that I know uh, him from. Um, you also got Key Luke, who is another Asian American actor who was uh, in Charlie Chan films back in the day, but he's also the original Kato for the Green Hornet in the serialized series. But yep. you want to know who he was in the 1960s? Who? Key Luke was Brack on Space Ghost in the <gasps> 1960s. Dude, yes. Brack's my favorite. I know. That's why oh, I had to man. bring it up. So those two were like heavily featured, or excuse me, those three were heavily yeah. fe- featured. George Takei, Paul Fries, Key Luke, but Kobayashi, uh, Sioka's buddy, like his his bigger chubby buddy yeah, yeah, yeah when i put on the english dub i'm like why does this guy's voice sound so familiar to me have i seen him in another and movie did he do something in 54 like why does this sound so motherfucking distinct to me and i looked it up and the guy who did kobayashi in the english dub for godzilla raids again or gigantus the fire monster whatever yeah i think that it sounds familiar i look it up Dawes Butler. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know the name Dawes Butler off the top of my head, but. But you heard him. Famous uh, voice actor for Hanna-Barbera cartoons back in the day. Yeah. The the voice of fucking Yogi Bear. The voice of Yogi Bear is like the second fat, dumb lead with a bad Japanese accent. It's cool. And that's the thing. Like in the Japanese version, Kobayashi's kind of like the you know, the tragic hero. And in Gigantus, the fire, 
uh, monster, they make him sound like a bumbling idiot. Oh yeah, that's like and a... it's like almost like very stereotypical. Like let's make fun of the Japanese guy. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, enough about the time period, I guess, but he is definitely the dumb fat friend for all intents yeah. and purposes. For, yeah, for they, they really Sioka? literally dumb him down. What is it? Sioka? Sukioka. 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 Why can't I say that? Sukioka. Thank you. There you go. He's definitely the fat friend of Sukioka, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know, the Americanization and, like, those little tidbits definitely make this uh, just kind of an interesting story beyond, like, the movie itself. But as we mentioned before, this is the first time, this is, like, the be- I-, I mean, you could say Godzilla 54 is, like, the beginning of kaiju movies, but, like, kaiju movies, as we know them a lot of the time, it features one monster fighting another. And this is the first yeah. movie where we get it. And what I like about it, is in the first Godzilla movie, you don't really see Godzilla that much. And it takes a little yeah. while until you see him. You see Godzilla and Ingress just go at it like uh, immediately in the first within five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah. Um, but that's like the, the kind of inciting incident for them to be like, Oh shit, we're out here driving our fisherman planes. Fisherman planes yeah. just sounds like a stupid thing to say inherently. Uh, but you know, crash landing Kobayashi has, I, I think Kobayashi has the crash landing. They yep. see them fighting. I think it's an interesting shot too. Like the oh, first it's a great shot. Like we see it like from like underneath, yeah. uh, on underneath Godzilla, like they're in like a valley almost in the first crash landing in the first few minutes of the film. Yeah. And the initial they're, in, they're at the bottom of a chasm or a Canyon. Yeah. And that is just like a weird way to have Godzilla sort of introduced to you initially, just like it's a, I don't know, yeah. sort of a jarring perspective, but then they follow that jarring perspective up with this little four legged spiky beast. That's just, you know, fighting it out with Godzilla. Like, yeah, I, I do kind of like that, uh, about this. Like they don't, they just say, Hey, I know what you're here for. You're here to see some yeah. fucking monsters and here you go. <laughs> yeah yeah and you know there's some great vehicles in that like you know bringing back dr yamane and you know discussing the first assault keep in mind that this cannery business that the fisherman fly for is in osaka and in continuity with godzilla tokyo has still been leveled um and dr yamane comes up from tokyo and says you know this is the destruction that he caused this is what we know about him this is the only way we know that we can not even defeat him because that went down with Dr. Sarazawa, but to kind of mollify him or at least distract him to get away from the city, you know, turn off the lights because he's angry after being, you know, stuck in a hydrogen bomb test and seeing the flashes horrific flashes i do like that dr imane uh you know helps to move the plot along there for sure and kind yeah. of gives us the backstory but i do like that at that point in the movie he does literally just give you it, it's pretty much a silent a full silent three minutes yeah and i was thinking about it like yeah he can't just show you the footage from godzilla 54 because that would have the the uh like there's no like sounds of destruction or anything yeah. Like, oh, if he showed you the film, then you'd hear the score from back then. They wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, yeah, the score yeah. Out. <laughs> it's a silent film because there's no actual like. It's oh. not like today where you can see a video and hear. It's probably noises. that too. Yeah, it's it's a technical limitations thing. I don't even know how these things fucking work out. Um, yeah. But yeah, the blackout was pretty much the only way for them to be able to, you know, hopefully help Godzilla uh, not notice them. And they shoot flares off the coast from their planes to be able to divert them in a different direction away from people in general. But I do like the scenes where they're kind of just all hanging out around a radio, like trying to track the trajectory like it's a fucking hurricane or a yeah, storm or something. A natural disaster. Yeah. And it's like they all and- just kind of sit and wait and pray that it's not on the way to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, in in a kind of strange opposite of that, when the monsters do reach land and they do begin their assault, like people are still out at the clubs. You know, you can see Tsukioka and his girl like dancing at a yeah, club. Yeah, so they go to Osaka like, Bay, and they're it's, not. It's almost like they got the report where it's like, all right, Godzilla's heading this way. It's cool for them to be able to go out and they go to the dance, and they have that fucking 
weird scene with the song in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll drop the fucking song in here so, now. But tell you what, here here's a here's a thought for you. It's kind of reminiscent to the war in which, you know, you're going about your daily life and then the air raid siren strikes. You gotta just go for cover. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know that. what I mean? And there's that moment where just the the announcement comes on and they're like, Hey, at seven thirty PM it's expected to make landfall. And you can case, see their their reactions, yeah. Yeah, they all just go to take cover. Landfall uh, in this case isn't like a hurricane or a tornado or whatever. It's fucking Godzilla. So uh, yeah, take cover. Cut the uh, cut the power. Um, yeah, shelter. You see a dude in, running away with his drum. Yeah, shelter in place. All that stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's very realistic to the, to now per se. Uh, it's kind of fucking awful. But in the yeah. midst of Osaka Bay getting shut down. We just cut to this other scene where it's it's almost it's I don't want to say it's jarring because it's not done in like a disruptive way or anything, but it's just like the next scene and you're in the back of a a police car, uh, like a police truck, I guess. Yeah. And there's like a number uh. of prisoners in there, and there's a cop kind of keeping an eye on them, and there's two cops up front, um, you know, driving to wherever in the midst of all this chaos, and uh, basically the prisoners. Uh, overtake the guard in the back and then they trick the uh other two guards in the front into a false sense of security steal the guard's gun blast their way out and like again we're in a godzilla movie so like now what i've just described is taken up about like three to four minutes of time because this is a film from 1950 fucking five so, so. It, it's very much a double-edged sword because on one hand you go, oh my god, this car chase scene is just awful filler. It comes out of nowhere, and like in the midst yeah, of it, yeah. yeah, that's my thought. I'm like, this really does come out but of nowhere. The other side of the sword is, what a clever way to attract the monsters back into Osaka. Everything's working. The flares are While great. Also taking a break from the story writ large, and you know, just the general mon- like it's almost like a fucking weird like prison procedural kind of skit for a minute like you forget you're watching a godzilla movie and you feel like you're just watching some random film from fucking if you if you turn on like late at night the hotel you turn on that movie and you like enter that scene like you don't know what's gone you just like the channel yeah and like you see like this weird japanese like prison break scene you're like what the fuck is this and all of a sudden two monsters appear in it like what Mm -hmm. that would be a weird ass like that's a creature double there. feature if I ever did hear it. Yeah, exactly. So, so the scene kind of takes you out of it for a minute, but the uh, criminals steal, they escape the jail cart. They steal some type of chemical truck. Um, yeah. And then they get in a high-speed chase. And in the, in, in the, it's kind of a long, drawn-out high-speed chase, too, now that I'm thinking about it. And it's done with mostly, like, toy cars. Yeah. In certain ways, you know. Yeah. It's drawn out a good portion of the time. Um. But eventually it ends in a car crash. It's a chemical truck. It makes a big explosion. makes a big thing. It hits the refinery, yeah. It hits the the tuna refinery? No, 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 no. So the tuna gets destroyed by the monsters. It hits an oil refinery. Oh, you're right. Godzilla hits the tuna refinery with his fucking atomic breath later in the film. Yeah. And we made you feel bad about not only tuna, but this film for like the last two years with those comments. terrible smells. Terrible smells. Imagine burned tuna. Like I made a fucking tuna melt the other day. Like I'm pretty sure that's how the bit started. Was I was like Brandon? I made a tuna melt the other day. I burned it for a little bit too much, and it was the worst. It took me a day. Like that was the whole. That was the whole fucking spiel. Um. Anyway, um, big explosion. The Godzilla shows up and fucking. He's attracted by the the flames. He's attracted by the flames. Not too long after. Angira shows up. Yeah. They try to draw Godzilla away in the meantime with the the flares and all that stuff, but no one gives a fuck anymore. No. Angira shows up and it's like it's on like Kong, motherfucker. It's yeah. He's an ugly he's an ugly thing. He's like really one of your favorite kaijus, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh probably for similar reasons. Uh like I like Krillin. Kind of an underdog, not the strongest, but loyal to his friends, and you know, still gives it one hundred percent. Not later, Krillin, but like early Krillin. 
Um, you know, he, hey, Leader he really, Quillen gives it one hundred percent too, man. What the hell? He he has a little boohoo scene in Resurrection F. He's like, I can't do it. Um, but you know, Anger Angerus is is still gonna fucking go for it, even if he's outmatched. And I think what's really great about this particular movie, and especially because of an accident in filming where one of the films was as it was rolling was left in slow motion as opposed to speed. The fight looks a lot more kind of fierce, fast and animalistic. You know, it's not like later movies, King Kong versus Godzilla or some later where they're like kind of choreographed and they kind of look like, you know, a play fight or like a wrestling fight. All right. So you've hit on something, uh, the exact thing I wanted to talk about. So sure. When they accidentally film portions of it in slow-mo. Yeah. And you're right. It looks like they're big lumbering fucking massive creatures and it helps lend to that yeah. um, visual for sure. I get that. What fucks me up about it is not the slow-mo parts. But the faster ones. is the fast parts. It looks like it's sped up. And I'm like, why Why are you moving so fast all of a sudden? And I Holy think, balls. <laughs> I think what happens, and, and probably better listeners can, can change that for us in the comments, um, is that because, haha, even better for us, um, when it was filmed at slow motion, when it was sped up to normal speed, it looks so much faster. Yeah. And looks kind of like, you know, very rough movements they're not like rigid they're very kind of fierce and like vicious you know like two animals fighting like say two dogs fighting or whatever yeah you know and so much of what nakajima the suit actor wanted to do in 54 at least was yeah make sure that godzilla's movements were very animalistic and what kind of lends to that differently here is by this time the the studio and under eg tsuburaya the special effects are starting to get better at making these suits. So they're lighter, they're slimmer, um, and they're easier to move in as opposed to the first one that Nakajima had to suffer through, the Shodai suit. But what's also interesting to me is where in 54, he's moving more like an animal or a big reptile or a lizard or a dinosaur would move. Yeah, but also showing the weight of it too. Yeah, but even in this film, I went into it thinking we're not quite toward that ass end of the show, a series here, like where he's getting to be like, where he's almost like a fucking professional wrestler almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You he's get still to... going to have those animalistic instincts. I counted three different shots in this yeah. battle with Anguirus. And I don't know if they're all the same. I don't think they are, but they could be. Okay. Where he very, very evidently squares up. With his yeah. fists up, like he's a yeah. fucking boxer. So there were yeah. elements of it, even as early as fifty-five. Like everybody says that it really leaves, um, or really starts to permeate after E.G. Superaya passes away in seventy-two. But well, and, and by that time, it's fully geared towards kids. So you're gonna have funny things like him flying on his tail in a kick, or you know, doing like kind of karate moves. You know, yeah. This is this is still geared towards. You know, a kind of older teenager. But he's still adult. squared up like he was ready to knock out a motherfucker yeah. and Mike Tyson's punch out. Well, and, and, you know, as you have pointed out, this is the first duel. First kaiju so fight, yeah. They don't, they don't really have a, a template to follow. Or in, in this particular case, you know, where the next movie, where King Kong versus Godzilla, they very carefully choreograph their fights. They didn't have time to do that in this one. You know, one of the few goals would be like. It was very much left up to the um, to the devices of the suit actors themselves. Not so much where they had the freedom to choreograph, but like make sure at this point you destroy, you know, the Osaka castle or like, you know, step over here, step over here. It was a kind of just like, you know, be like two animals fighting. But make sure you hit your marks. And I'll tell you what, man. Big G, definitely. And this is one of my biggest gripes with this movie is that sure. the middle of it, like, we get this awesome, we get a little tease of it up front where, yeah. you know, after the crash landing, we see them kind of fight each other for a few minutes. We get yeah. this very cool fight in Osaka Bay. And then 
we're at the halfway point in the movie and Godzilla says, nah, fuck this. This is the big G show. And yeah, the yeah. Atomic breaths the dude and then just bites into his neck. Yeah. And that's the end of Angier. It like drops. And then he into and the then ocean. he burns him, yeah. And then he uh lights up the factory, the the fish refinery or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. He he lights that shit up in celebration. And I'm just like, holy God, where do we go from here? But I guess we still do yeah. have to deal with the larger problem of Godzilla. It, so it turns back into a Godzilla movie. Yeah. And by that it means all right, we can't kill him. We don't have an a second oxygen destroyer hanging around. Yeah. So what yeah. do we do? In the midst of I think the fight with Anguirus, they have some kind of revelation where they could like bury him with something. No, not even. All right, go ahead, Brandon. So, help me. Basically, what happens is, you know, they they get him to this this kind of open cavern on the island. They track him to this northern island in, you know, the northern sea area. And, you know, they they think that they can just, like, kind of maybe block him in using explosions and, like, keep him there. And then Kobayashi, while he's trying to distract Godzilla before the planes come back, gets hit by Godzilla's atomic breath, crashes into the side of the mountain, and it causes an avalanche. And that's what triggers Tsukioka to go, we bury him. This is the only way we can stop him is if we bury him. Not try and block him in, because he's just going to get out. But if we bury him in ice, he'll freeze in it and be in suspended animation. That's what we want, because fuck a big old dinosaur with atomic breath. That's very Yeah, yeah. Gigantic so, my butt. That's what's up. And kudos to Toho for at least being cool enough to say the next film when it comes out, King Kong vs. Godzilla, will be a sequel because Godzilla's first appearance is now in a floating iceberg. So, I mean, he's not buried on the island, but somehow the iceberg breaks off with Godzilla in it. But that's how he's discovered. You know, so that that begins almost a kind of series of of loosely woven continuity for the next what thirteen films. Thirteen going up through uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is seventy four. So they're going to bury Godzilla in ice, and it connects to the continuity of the later show of films. So, yep, all that's good to know, but like. How do we wrap up this podcast now? Because that's how I feel at the end of this movie, honestly. It's like, all right, so he's in ice. How It's not going to be forever. How long until uh, this fucking charade is over? And that's how I feel about this podcast in general. How long until this charade is yeah. over? And, you know, at the time when Godzilla's counterattack came out in Japan, it had modest sales, not as good as the first. So they wrapped it up. They said, you know what? We're going to put Godzilla to rest for a bit. Seven years. Yeah. But the good thing is, in a way, not only did it help in the sense that, you know, Godzilla went away and, you know, it was cool to bring him back for a special occasion, but it also gave Toho and kudos to them for sticking with this, the ability to stretch out a whole new monster verse, create a monster verse of movies, which they may or may not have at the time realized that they would string them together that these would just be more independent like monster movies, but they ended up building a monster verse like, you know, the MCU in a way. So Rodan came out in 56. Not only was that the first non Godzilla monster um, in a standalone, but it was the first monster movie in color for Toho. Um, They created the Mysterians. They did Mothra in 61. Uh, They did Varen in 59. Varen is a black and white, disaster that is great in its own way but they set up this expanding universe of monster films that by the later end of the 60s they had gotten pretty good at weaving together and i don't know if it was necessarily a plan but they obviously had a hit on their hands with the first godzilla maybe not so much as the second one but they make the conscious decision to shelve it but they're like how do we fill that gap now in terms of the yeah and they come up with these other characters because they were on they're like let's fucking we we, we watched godzilla fucking fight with one of them so we'll put godzilla over here for a minute who are we going to save godzilla for king kong 
In the meantime, yeah. we tried like experimenting around with a handful of other kinds of kaiju monsters on that same level, and all right, now they're just on the bench, and now and we I have mean, this expanded monster verse of of God. I would like to honestly do um, the first Rodan movie with you. That'd be good. Yeah, or, yeah. Or Radon, as it was called in Japan. There you go. Yeah, um, Radon's a good one. Change to Ra- uh, Rodan for American audiences because we are yeah. ignorant. And as we probably discussed in the King Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla wasn't the first choice to fight King Kong either. Really? Who was? It was going to be either a modern Prometheus or Frankenstein. Sounds dumb. No, thanks. But they, I think they couldn't get the full rights to Frankenstein or, you know, they were like, you know what? We need our own monster to go up against him. And so Godzilla was the healthiest choice. Tickets were so successful in that. I think it was the highest grossing Godzilla film in the original series, if not the entire series. And, you know, even though they took another year break, they realized that they could run with the Godzilla series. And they started making sequels, like two sequels in a year and then one every year consecutively till 1974. Which honestly is fucking tremendous news for you and I because... Lots of kaiju stuff for us to do. Yeah. Hey, fuck you. Hold on one minute. All right. Take a pause from the podcast. And by that, I mean, I'm going to keep this totally in for the public feed and all. Why have you never told me about Godzilla Island? Um, I haven't watched too many episodes. They're hard to find. It's yeah. I looked around for a a little while yesterday, but I did find that there is a DVD set that you could buy of all 200 and 56 episodes it's 256 episodes for those not in the know godzilla island is some weird like robot chicken-esque kind of idea where the majority early 90s early of the plot uh, excuse me the majority of the plot is executed with just stop motion action figure stuff they're all toys all toys they're all from they're all from the late uh, early 90s Bandai toys. And it's all this super deep bench of kaiju people that we just are talking about. Like Jet Jack, dude, I want to do the fucking Jet Jaguar movie with There's you. There's the medical Jet Jaguar. Yeah. I want to fucking watch that one so badly. I have but it now. It's like 256 three minute episodes. Okay. I found a DVD set for about $160. Holy shit. Yeah. Can you believe it's that much money? I was like, and oh. Forty bucks? That that'd be a good investment. If it's like forty bucks or less, maybe I'll grab it. And it's probably not even region one. Sixty dollars. It's probably like region two or something. Yeah, I imagine it is a Japanese so, region, whatever region number that is. But yeah, um, yeah. Fuck you for never telling me about Godzilla Island. Honestly, I rarely ever remember it myself. So it seems bizarre, dude. I posted something on your wall about the yeah. dance party one. Yeah, and Godzilla does some tremendous moves. Maybe I'll go make a Instagram video about it yeah. or something. I don't know, man. But and like you know, they basically limit it to the toys and figures that were made at the time. So like, but they still do know. every like everyone's in it, like guy kids yeah. in it and everything. I don't know but if Jet Jaguar is in it, but no, there is. Not only is there a Jet Jaguar, but there is a like weird medical Jet Jaguar too. Yeah, so fucking strange, man. Yeah, but that's because the Bandai released all those figures. Well, Bandai's you know? a money-making machine, man. Uh, yeah, see dude. Dragon Ball. I have a <laughs> bunch of those figures. They're... I've got your, uh, your what year is this Goji that I have over here, 62? That, but that's SH Monster Arts. Oh, that's not a Bandai line? No, mm. no, no, no. That's SHMA. Um, I have the original Angurus figure that came out. It's at my office desk. V cool. Yeah. So. Well, that's all a long way to say we have a lot of kaiju movies to talk about that. Yeah, aren't even Godzilla specific. Like we should do a couple non-specific Godzilla movies just to mix it up at some point. But there is more than enough material for us to just make a kaiju. I think I said what was the name that came into my brain today? Kaiju Smackdown. Me, yeah, me, you. Maybe we can get like one or two other fucking Godzilla nerds. Yeah, Kaiju Smackdown. And maybe not every week. And I swear to Christ, if any of you listener fuck steal this idea. I'll be a little upset, but more annoyed than anything. Also, I'll totally call you out about it and tell everybody I know about it, especially if your podcast is a success. Please take into consideration how big my mouth is should that happen to you. And one of the foremost Godzilla artists today lives in our state. 
Who the hell is that? Bob Eggleston. Yo, let's get Bob in. He he like Do you know him? There's no. Have you met him? I tried to friend him on Facebook, but he's full. So I can only follow him. Yo, I bet you Travis is friends with him. Maybe, yeah. He um he's one of the I bet foremost, you Travis and James are friends with him. He's one of the foremost uh artists of contemporary Godzilla like paintings, oh, drawings. Hundred percent then. So the reason that I say Travis and James, like you know what I mean, Brandon. Yeah. I'm a producer on a show called Just Stuff League, the Just Stuff League, J U S T U F F League. Um Go check it out. All right. I'm on there. I talk every once in a while. Usually it's just to be like, hey, stop fucking around and stuff like that. So if you want to hear me have some good uh, freakouts on people, go listen to the Just Stuff League. Um, two of the three hosts are um, experts uh, on the Antiques Roadshow in terms of the yep. appraisal department. Uh, Travis uh, is a good friend of mine. He's 24, I think. He's like a wonderkin of his fucking kind, but... He is a pop culture and fine modern art um, connoisseur, and I know that he's mentioned that artist that you're that you're mentioning. Also, okay. my buddy James Sup, who has the greatest mustache in all of yes, the industry, um, out in uh, Coeur d'Alene, um, Idaho. Um, I'm sure that he knows exactly who you're talking about as well because sure. he is one of the biggest nerds I've ever met in my life. Go check out the Just Stuff League. Uh, it would help me out. It would help them out. Subscribe, all that fun stuff. But uh, the Godzilla art world, modern art world, is a very hot thing that they uh, they definitely touch on a couple of times throughout. But I'm happy yeah. to know that you know that dude's there, but maybe we can get Travis to make the introduction, man. Yeah, for sure. That would be and cool. believe it or not, there is some Godzilla news in the world today. What's that? Um, there's going to be several Magic the Gathering cards involving I saw Godzilla. That, dude, fucking Mike Norm. Shout out Vaping Mike Norm. You will have a microphone at your door sometime in the next seven days. But be also on the lookout Business for days. Godzilla in your Magic cards, baby. That's right. That's so cool. So, like, is there a reason as to why? Or I haven't seen it yet. I'm... I'm not a magic player, so I didn't pursue it, you know, in depth. I've been casual um, at best my entire life, but like also, yeah, you know, like years at a time I don't play it. So <laughs> I I don't know. So I I cool if that exposes just a few more people to the world of Godzilla beyond just Godzilla. Then well, we'll get our artist friend uh, Bob. Is that his name, Bob? Bob Eggleston. Yeah, we'll get our artist friend Bob maybe to sign it. Wicked. So that's going to do it for uh, Godzilla Raids again, again. Um, thank you, Brandon. Happy birthday, brother. Hey, thanks. 33 never looks so good. Uh, Just take the compliment, dickhead. I dig it. Cool, man. Thank you for uh, redoing this pod that we've already, or redoing the movie that we've already talked about in the past. But hey, it's honest, an easy one. Well, not only is it an easy one because like it's your favorite, I get that. But yeah, I'm glad that a I don't have the distraction of Shannon, but b also I've got two years of being a Godzilla fan under my belt, and that yeah. I could approach it from a little bit more of a seasoned perspective because oh, absolutely, that sound is long gone. But I remember trying to do everything i could for like a full week afterward yeah to try to save that yeah i remember pieces of it i remember that tuna thing that you yeah hate so much uh um, yeah i remember talking about the neck bite i remember all of that stuff but um what really bothered me about that was i just i don't know anything about it but now like i've watched a bunch of godzilla films i've talked with you about it for fucking yeah. hours on end like I feel like maybe I'm providing a little bit more value to our uh, listeners. Um, and we have, you have, I should say, you truly have um, turned down a lot of uh, new people to watching Godzilla films just by talking about it as passionately as you do. So oh, let certainly. that fucking pride, that merit badge on your fucking yeah. geek apron and be you know, your we, birthday gift. We, if, if we do Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster next, We'll reach essentially what's kind of the apex of the golden age of Godzilla films. You know, it's the last film where he's kind of an anti-hero. And, you know, it really, after this movie, if you want to call it nosedives, 
directly towards younger audiences. Because you know, that's what's that's what sells. Well, because E.G. Superaya dies too, right? No, E.G. Superaya dies in '69. Oh, I thought it was '72. We haven't gotten his most revolutionary product yet, per se. What would you say that? What would you say that is? Uh, Ultra Ultraman, Q and then ultimately Ultraman in '66. Wait, yeah. what was it? Ultra Q. Ultra Q. What's Ultra Q? It's hard to explain. It's almost like a kind of Doctor Who ish kind of okay show. Say it no more. Say no more. But yeah, that's what he did before Ultraman. It was the predecessor, yeah. Okay. It it doesn't involve a superhero. Are they directly linked? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. All right, but it's what he did before Ultraman. Yeah. Got it. So up until then, he did special effects for all the Toho movies. This is now going into television and his own company, Subaraya Productions. And, you know, it's Ultraman is one of the most important characters for television and Japanese television because it leads to so much more afterwards. I mean... Including... Supaita-Man. Supaita-Man. Exactly. Be on the lookout for that coming later this month in the month of April. Supaita-Man. Super-Dope. Yeah. Supaita-Man. Super-Dope? Did I just accidentally name it? There it is. It's all the same, dude. It's whatever, super dope. SSD. The, that's the fucking way that we name things. Whatever it is, super dope. The SSD. End. That's, the, that's the magic. Supai the man, super dope. Oh my God. Maybe I can hire a Japanese dude on Fiverr to yell. Because <laughs> if a Japanese dude yells the intro to our show, not racist. It's not. <laughs> Got it? Got it. Yeah, so be on the yeah. lookout for that. Uh, another tie-in to what we're talking about in terms of like the evolution of kaiju, big monster fights. Eventually, Spider Man ties into and inspires the things that we've come to love in terms of Power Rangers. Um, so I'm excited to talk about some things that aren't so strictly because we've talked a lot about that um not that i won't miss it i totally will tomorrow morning the season finale comes out for season four um season five has been announced but no official release date so hopefully we'll get at least you got that, you got the hope of that yeah at least we know that it'll continue um but uh in the interim me and brandon uh me and kelly are going to do some ghibli films uh me and Feds are going to do some Supaita Man. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think we're going to wrap up Death Note, maybe. Me, Feds, and Amber will wrap up Death Note for, if not just the patrons, then maybe the public feed in general. If you want to hear the first 34 episodes of us doing Death Note, patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. But uh, that's going to do it for um, Godzilla Raids again. Again, happy birthday, Brandon. Thanks. Stay safe, everyone. Wash your hands. Appreciate you, brother. Wash your hands, wipe your ass, but then wash your hands after you wipe your ass because, you know, what good's fucking washing your hands if you wipe your ass afterwards? Yee. Makes literally zero sense. Pojira! Pojira! <laughs>